help us tonight to preach quickly and to keep moving. And I pray the Holy Spirit will do this preaching and just help me just to be a, a vessel through which you can convey your word. Help me, God, to feed the flock, the word of God. Help me to preach the word. Keep me off of Reggie's rabbit trails and stupidity and stupid stuff. And help me, Lord, to give them the, your word, your truth, and that which will really and honestly help them as they leave out of this building and go out another week to work and live. And, um, Lord, to engage in spiritual warfare. And, and, Lord, I pray that you'll give us hearts full of joy. Lord, we need that so bad. Give us the joy of the Lord as our strength. Give us confidence and courage in your promises, knowing, God, that all is well and all will be well. And so, Lord, help us to be so grateful and so thankful for the freedom that we have to worship. And, Lord, the blessings of life, the food, the shelter, the clothing, the friends, our church here, Lord, the blessing of it. So many wonderful things that you've given us. And, Lord, help us to be utterly grateful in our souls, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, like I said, our text is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 10. Demas hath led me, uh, loving this present world. So we're going to look at thir- lesson 39, the Christian's relation to the world. Uh, number one, the Christian is saved out of the world. In John 17, 6, if we could get that at John 17, 6, the Christian is saved out of the world. We are given to Christ out of this world. He said there in verse number six, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. The church literally, does anybody need a handout? They've got some back there. If you need one, flag your hand way over yonder in that corner and right over here and right back there in the center and one up here in the front. So just kind of flag your hand a little bit every once in a while like a stoplight and they'll get you eventually, all right? But there's something, the church, the word church means a called out assembly. Everybody with me, say amen. amen. The church is a called out assembly. That's what the word church means. It talks about the church in the wilderness. They were a called out assembly. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you now. You need to get this down. This whole issue of the church versus the world that we're looking at this morning tonight is very critical to have. You can be saved and maybe not be aware of a lot of this, but I, you'll never have a fruitful Christian life if you don't get a hold of this. But I'm also a strong believer, like I said this morning with, about Danny, is that a person that has the spirit of God in them is going to have, you may not know this Christian, but you know, there's some things a Christian ought not do and ought not be involved in. I mean, it's not rocket science. Amen. But God's put it in here. But here's the thing you got to remember. Watch this. God has called out an assembly and given it to Christ. And it's the bride of Christ. And there's a lot of things connected to that. And that makes it very, very important. We're called out assembly to the Lord. So we're given to Christ out of the world. Galatians 1.4. I want you to put that up there. Galatians 1.4. If you want to look in your Bible, mark then. Watch this. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Now, Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And you and I are living in this present world. But this world's not going to continue on forever. There's another world, and it's an eternal world with the Lord Jesus Christ, a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, I'm telling you, there's, there's a world beyond this world, and we need to be living for that world and, co- and living in context of that. If you, look, here's the raw truth. If we don't get this down, we're just going to live for the nasty now and now. 
And the whole world is just going to revolve around what's going on today. And, this, you know, and we're short-sighted. I'll tell you what keeps me going a lot of times is seeing over the horizon. Seeing over beyond life, beyond time into eternity. I have written in the front of my Bible something to come to me one day. The success of my life will be determined by how well I see into eternity. And God wants you to see into eternity. That's why he's given us his word. That's why he wrote the book of Revelation and all the prophecies and told us. He doesn't want us to live for this, this now, this present time. But we've been delivered out of the world, just like the children of Israel were delivered out of the land of Egypt. Uh, we've been delivered out of the bondage of Satan. When God saved us, if you want to look on number one there, he saved us. He took us out of the old realm of sin and translated us into a completely new realm. The Bible said he delivered us from the world, uh, darkness into the glorious light of the gospel. Uh, if you put up first Colossians 1.13, watch this. Galatians 1.4 said he delivered us, okay, by his death, by the gospel, hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Shout! I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I don't like the power of darkness. I'll tell you, this is an evil world. And I'll tell you, people that you know and people you love are in bondage to the powers of darkness. And I'm thankful for that verse. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And I'll tell you, I'm thankful for that. tonight. I really am. I'm not joking. I, I feel so sorry for people who don't know the Bible, who don't know Christ. They don't know any other life but drugs and liquor and alcohol and, and, and pornography and hatred and money and pleasure. And possession. They don't know any other world. They don't know there's another world that they could live in. I'm glad I could sit out my, at my house and just be as happy. And, I tell you, I was down in the woods yesterday and I was cutting on some uh, uh, logs there and by myself. And I shut that saw off and, and the man I could just, it reminded me over in the Old Testament when the, the, and the, the mulberry trees, the wind through the mulberry trees. And there's some great, big, old, beautiful, tall trees. And man, that wind was coming through there and there's the most pleasant, sweet sound. And I thought about the Holy Spirit just like moving through a person's soul. And I'm so glad that that all around me, I can look at those trees and those rocks. How many knows that rocks are pretty? Yeah. Now, when I was young and having to pick them, I didn't think they were pretty, but rocks are pretty, amen? And you, if you don't think they are, just take a child out on a walk and tell them, hey, let's look for some pretty rocks. Every rock they see will be pretty, amen? Yeah. And you can, see, you can see beauty in everything around you. Yeah. I'm telling you what, hey, don't tell anybody, but the Ozarks is the best place in the world to live. Right. I mean, take, don't tell nobody now. But it's absolutely the most beautiful place in the world to live. We've got the most beautiful springs in the world. Yeah, we've got the prettiest rivers in the world. Now, the ones south are more holy than the ones that flow north. The ones that flow north have more dirt in them because the ground's richer. <laughs> but, but, if you, but us Douglas Countyans have the clear water because we ain't got much mud. So the water's clear. But oh, what it is to go, hey, did some of you get, where, did you guys get to go down anywhere? You talked about going somewhere. Where'd you go? You went to where? Alley Springs. Now, isn't that, did you go down to Mill? Did you see that spring coming up out of it and you walked, did you walk all the way around it? Man, I'm telling you what, listen, isn't that something, that water coming up out of there? You go down to Big Springs and it comes out of the side of that rock just like a river going, and you, you can get there in an hour or less. I'll tell you what, we're blessed. We're blessed. I'll tell you, we're blessed. Besides that, 
Ain't near as many Democrats live here as there is in New York City. Amen. <laughs> I'm hard on the poor Democrats, ain't I? I tell you, bless their heart. I say what sad thing we ain't got much of the Republican Party left. Amen. Don't you be allegiant to a party. You be allegiant to Christ and his word. Because it's going to get worse and worse. And there'll probably be a day when there's hardly anybody you can vote for. You'll just have to pick the worst of the two. Amen. But I'm still glad for somebody to try to take a stand on something. By the way, it's easy for us to sit in our church houses on Sunday. It's another thing for somebody else to sit in a meeting or at a conference and take a stand for biblical principles in the midst of a bunch of hornets. And so don't you be knocking them until you got in there and play ball with them. Amen. Amen. But anyway, God said to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Danny preached on this last week. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I'm so thankful to be delivered from that kingdom of darkness, that power of darkness. Man, I'm glad God saved me out of rock and roll. I'm glad he saved me out of country western. I'm glad he didn't get me out of contemporary Christian. I'm so thankful, amen, to sing songs like, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest, amen. amen. Didn't you like that song a while ago? Wasn't that good? I'm telling you right now. So number two, we're sa- number one, we're saved out of this world. Get that down. That's truth. That's Bible truth. You got saved. God saved you out of this world. He's not going to leave you in that world. He's going to pull you out. Number two, the Christian separation from the world. Now I'm going to tell you something. Boy, I, except, it's funny to me, everybody just... Most of the church world just hates the issue of separation and sanctification. They just, the word holy is on, oh, he's a radical, you know. If you say sanctified, you say holy, you're like some freak, you know. Well, that's Bible talk, amen. amen. Now, I'm going to tell you about how, why most people believe in, in it, but don't, don't realize it. When you got married, there was a separation occurred. Your old boyfriend better be gone. <laughs> amen. Your old boy, your old girlfriend better be gone. Ain't that right? (laughs) Young married couple right here. Do you know what they did when they got married? They didn't just join, they separated. They separated from everybody else, right? They're both nodding their head. We're good so far. (laughs) Aggravating you too. But I'm just using it for example. You separate from everybody else, didn't you, Livia? Didn't you, brother? Yes, sir. Ain't no other woman right now, right? She'll whoop you, I tell you right now. <laughs> you talk about a, a frying pan over a head, man. I'll tell you what, you just look wrong at somebody. She, you'll find out about separation. But, <laughs> but i tell you something. You know what? Karen and I got married. I was tickled to death. Amen. I separated. Doesn't care. Separation is not a bad thing. Separation is a good thing. Amen. Not only that, but I thought, ain't nobody else got her. I got her. Amen. She's separated unto me. I ain't got to worry no more about, about them other guys horning in on me. Amen. Separated. It's a good thing. Don't think, don't look at separation as a bad thing. It's a wonderful, good thing. You ought to say, dear God in heaven, thank you for separating me from this old world. Well, he's separated the world. John 17, 14 says, I have given them thy word. The world hath hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. You know, it's a funny thing. I remember being up here one time and, and, and I was just, you know, I lost and all that. But guys got mad at me because I wouldn't drink with them. Oh, why in the world would you not get mad? Why would you get mad at somebody for not drinking? Right there. Because if you don't do what they want, they hate your guts about it. They hate you. And isn't that odd? That misery loves company. See, when you don't go along with it, you're saying something. Just by not going along with it. 
We're not of this world. First Peter chapter two and verse 11 tells us that we're strangers and pilgrims. Now watch what he says. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Now I'm going to encourage you, if you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, read Pilgrim's Progress. It's the second most read book in the world outside the Bible. At least was a, 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 maybe a, a, a last I knew about it. John Bunyan wrote that. He spent 12 years in prison and he wrote an allegory about your journey of your pilgrim life and he'll hit everything you're ever going to face. He deals with it in that book. So if you haven't read that, read that book. But we're pilgrims, strangers in this world. This isn't our final home. He went away to prepare a place for us. Amen. James 4.4. 4. Now we're talking about separation from the world. James 4.4. The Bible said, you adulterers and adulterers know nothing. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is enemy of God. Now, I'm going to throw something at you a little tough tonight, all right? Let's just, I like to make things realistic. I don't like preaching hot air messages that don't have anything to do with your life. Yeah. Bible's applicable. Yeah. Bless Van's heart. Me and him had a little short talk today, and I'll tell you, I thought about it a lot. Van has run for office and was represented for eight years. And I said to Van this statement, boy, I mean, he, he picked up on hard and quick. Then, and I'll kind of, when you were campaigning, when you're running for office, did you know you need votes to win? Yeah. Yeah. You need votes to win. Now, why? Huh? <laughs> that would help. Oh, well, you need votes to win. Now, you're asking, you, 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 you decide that, hey, I feel like God's called me to uh, serve him in this capacity, or I, I, have a, I just have a general interest in the government of this country and the direction it's going and what it's going to do. Now listen to me, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. I'll tell you one thing, it's pretty easy for a lot of Christian people to sit on their backside in their pews and condemn people that are in office, but they won't do a cotton picking thing themselves. They don't want to get in that arena of fighting. Okay. Now I said to Van this, I said, here's the struggle. We want their vote, but where is that line where you take a stand on an issue that you know you're going to lose their vote. Hannah, is that not the truth? But we need people who are willing to go out and ask for that vote, but not compromise their convictions. Don't get this attitude. Don't you get an attitude that, well, I'm sorry, politicians and them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know why they're up there? Because you ain't. And if you think it's easy, you run. And if you think it's easy, you go to a forum where they're asking you questions about what you believe about this. And you know when you answer biblically, you're going to lose 30 votes right there. So it's tough. It's not easy. But I'm thankful that we at least have the chance to vote and to run for office. I'm going to tell you something. If if our founding fathers believed what the average church believes in America now, we'd have never had freedom. Our founding fathers, the early preachers of this nation, almost demanded that their congregation, oh man, almost demanded that their congregation get involved in the local political process so that Christian people with biblical values would be the ones who are determining what the laws are and what the statutes are and what the judgments, how their courts are going to be run, how everything was going to be done. Get involved. Karen and I was on the way to church. And I'm going to tell you the sodomite strategy that's going on. Chicago, Illinois, mayor is a sodomite woman. 
Pete Buttigieg, who is Biden's secretary of transportation, was mayor of Indianapolis. He's a sodomite. There is a strategy among the sodomite world to become mayors, to take over the mayorship of every town in this nation. I'm going to tell you why. Mayors control the police force. Now, we better wake up. You'd be shocked how many mayors across the United States are sodomites. This is what people and churches and preachers and congregations are fighting in their cities. Just like a guarantee. And they're, what they're doing is if they can't get a, a sodomite in the mayor's office, then they will gather around and support one who will at least be favorable toward them. So when they want to start having their pride parades and getting their, their permits to do this and their permits to do that and have a drag queen show down to they got the mayor's office power behind them. Mayors are some of the most powerful people in the United States. They're actually oftentimes more powerful than the sheriff. Now, you listen to me. We've got to be involved. Separation doesn't mean that you go to a, 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 a convent or a monastery. It means you are in this world and you're involved in this world, but you're taking a biblical stand and you're keeping that separation stand. And then's when you become salt. You're not salt by crawling back in a hole somewhere and hoping Jesus comes before next week. I'm hoping he comes for next week, but I've got to live now. Amen. All right. So we're, we're not to have friendship with this world. James 1.27, watch this. Pure religion. Now, religion is not salvation. Religion is the practice, the outward practice of your salvation. Get that. There's a lot of aspects that maybe people define it, but in this, in this deal here, religion is the outward working of the Holy Spirit through your life because you're saved. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in, with their affliction. And that ought to be done. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Look at that hard. And how do you keep yourself unspotted from the world? That's the question now. If you go back in the Old Testament... They were to bring a lamb without spot and without blemish. And you run this references down this thing, and I tell you, it's almost scary. Because Christ's bride is to be without spot and without blemish. Now, that's only possible through him. Okay? Only through grace. All right? But I'm telling you something. God wants us to keep unspotted from the world. Spots... And the, the word spots in the Bible is an amazing word. It has to do with something pure that's had mud thrown on it, filth thrown on it. It would be like having an ice cream cone and somebody flicks commoner on it. It's not fit to eat now. The church gets spotted by the world. It's not fit to eat. It's not fit to be part of it. God wants us to be unspotted from the world. Stay away from and don't let it infect us and, and, and affect the way we live. Galatians 6, 14, one of the most powerful verses in the entire word of God. I love this verse. Galatians 6, 14, look at it. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, get this verse. By whom the world 
is crucified unto me. That's what's happening right now in my life. Being crucified is not fun. It means you die. You die to the world's applause, the world's approval, the world's acceptance, the world's friendship. By whom, by what? The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom Jesus Christ is crucified, the world is crucified unto me. Now, what's that mean? And what, I'll go ahead, and an I unto the world. So you have the cross in the middle and the world on one side and you on the other. <clears throat> by the cross, the world dies to you. By the cross, on salvation side, you die to the world. This world is dead to the church. Did you know that? Yeah. It's dead to the scriptures. Amen. It's dead to truth. It's dead to righteousness. It's dead to cleanness. It's dead to holiness. It's dead to salvation by grace. It doesn't mind religion, but it hates grace. This verse right here will change your life. God forbid that I should glory. What a statement. God says there's nothing else for me to glory in except the Paul said, I have nothing to glory in except the cross of Jesus Christ. That's my glory. I'm not glorying in Starting churches, Paul said, I'm not glorying in preaching the gospel. I'm not glorying in serving the Lord. I'm not glorying in my consistency or my faithfulness or my apparent successes or failures. I'm glorying on one thing, the cross of Jesus Christ. And he said, by that cross, he said, the world's crucified in me. Did you know what they did with Paul before he got done? They killed him. I want to ask you something. This gets a little dicey, and I don't like to dive into it too much. But how close and biblical has your living been that has cost you friendship with the world that people have pulled away from you because of your stand? That's, that's honest to goodness is the determining factor in life. What does it cost you in the world's friendship? Because when you're crucified unto the world, you're just dead to it. You're dead to it. It doesn't attract you. It doesn't entice you. Somebody that's crucified, they, they're not enticed by the stuff of the world. But I'm risen in newness of life unto Christ, and that's what attracts me. That's my life. But here's, there's a picture of, of the cross. There are the, the, the three deals there. Saving the cross of the Lord, by whom the world is crucified unto me. The world's dead to truth. They're dead to the Bible. They're dead to the gospel. They don't like it. They hate it. You just you never hear them talking about Jesus Christ dying for our sins, buried to take away our sins, and risen in resurrection power and giving eternal life. The world is crucified to that. Now they're not crucified to religion, doing things and being things and hope maybe that you'll get to heaven somehow or another. But they're, they're crucified to the cross. They're crucified to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you want to remember that. They, and and, and on, the, on the opposite side of it is, I, Paul said, am crucified in the world. I'm dead to the world. <clears throat> and by the way, let me just get, let's say this, get this down. This is not a work of the flesh. This is a work of the Spirit of God in the heart of a person who is seeking the Lord. 
And it's done by grace, by the Spirit of God. I, I'm kind of funny because I said this to Karen this evening in the kitchen. I said, I don't know what's going on in my life. Maybe it's partly just getting older. Don't take this wrong. Please don't take this wrong. God's not a grouch. God's not against you. You know, I don't have a desire. I've lost my desire van to even go to a rodeo. I don't want to hear the music. I've got to hear to go to it. I'm not against rodeos. I love rodeos in a sense. But seem like if you go to them, what do you got to hear? I'm not against basketball, but if I go to them, what have I got to hear and watch? You go to a local high school basketball game, you know what you're going to see at the, end, at the, end, at the halftime? They're going to get out there and flaunt themselves and their nakedness, and they're, going to play, they're not going to play Amazing Grace, I promise you that. Are they? Why? Because they're crucified to the world. It's just the truth of it. And the quicker you get this, the more mature in the Lord you're going to get. You better understand who's, where you at on this, which side of the cross you on. And I, I'm just getting where I feel. I, it, I'm not super spiritual. I'm going to say something tonight. I'm probably the sorriest Christian in this building. Okay? Now, I don't say that lightly. I wouldn't want any of you to know the spiritual battles I go through, what goes through my stinking, stupid, fleshly mind. My only hope is in his righteousness and his grace. If God's grace doesn't save me, I'm headed to hell. No question. But I am trusting what Jesus did on the cross for me. That's it. But I'm telling you, you, anything the world puts on, you can tell they're crucified to the cross, but to the gospel, because they don't want nothing to do with it. They're crucified to it. They don't have nothing to do with it. And so, and, and what happens is, I believe, over time, as you grow in the Lord and, and hopefully as you're growing close to the Lord in the Word of God, the Spirit of God's going to say, you're dead to that. It doesn't do anything for me anymore. It brings me no pleasure, no happiness, no joy. Now, I don't believe in being a dead, dead, I don't believe in being a dead duck and sitting in the house. I believe life is to be lived in fullness of joy and gladness. Amen. I believe life ought to be lived with gusto, whatever you're going to say. I don't believe in sitting around acting like you just lost your three cats just died and got, three got, two got run over and one got whatever. And you're just down the mouth. I believe you ought to laugh, have joy, enjoy life, be enthused about life, live for purpose in the Lord and have joy about you. I mean, I can't stand sour. The old preachers used to say you look like you just drank a gallon of dill pickle juice. Amen. I mean, that's a lot of Christians' attitude. Look, and I don't like that stuff. Don't put me in some kind of church where you're supposed to look like your, your dog died yesterday. I'm not interested in that. I don't know why I keep saying that. Some of your dogs and cats are probably going to die this week, and you'll come to church next Sunday all disappointed. I don't know. But I'm just saying this, that God crucifies us to the world. All right, number three, let's get going. The, the Christian behavior in the world, Titus 2.12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Soberly is the opposite of being drunk. And being drunk on worldliness is not, I'm not talking about this kind of drunk, I'm talking about being drunk on the pleasures and the possessions of this world. We're to live soberly. What does it mean to live? It means living in the light of eternity. Don't get, don't get, don't forget what's real. 
Don't lose your mind. Get, get, keep your head on. Righteously and godly, how in this present, that's how God wants you and I look. And he wants us to look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he wants us to live godly. Romans 12, 2, we're not to be conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. And this is so powerful. It's so important. But like I say, again, people aren't taking it seriously. God does not want you, God doesn't want you some kind of, you know what? I don't go around with a collar on my neck looking like a weasel. Child molester. God ain't asking you to go around with a nun's habit on. Amen. But he is saying, don't be conformed to this world. Don't live like the world lives. Don't live like the world lives. Don't be conformed to their, their ways, their dress, their, their entertainments, their music, and all that kind of stuff. No, John 17, 15, God prayed that we'd be kept from the evil of this world. And I'll tell you something. I, I, I love this. Jesus is praying here. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, okay, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He said, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And he prays that we'd be kept in evil. I want to tell you, I'm going to give you something how to pray. Does anybody besides me struggle with trial or temptation or whatever temptations? Anybody, you know, I'm going to encourage you to pray a prayer real simple. Leave me not in temptation, deliver me from evil. Do it. You can't stay out of it on your own. Pray. Jesus prayed for us. Pray. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Jesus didn't tell us to pray that just to have Philip ink on page. And uh, 1 John 2, 15 and 16, we're not to love this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'm going to tell you why I believe most Christian people are, act like they're sad. Because they're hung in the middle. They got one foot in the world, one foot, one foot in, in, in with God, and they're not happy. It's like it's a struggle. They're double-minded man, unstable in his ways all the time. And they're living in two different worlds, and those worlds are contrary to each other, and it keeps their mind messed up. Our literal be that's why you see so much depression among Christian people. Amen. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. Double-minded. All right, number four, the Christian's ministry to the world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, we're to be lights in the world. Man alive, how we ought to pre- think on that. How am I light to this world? That you may be blameless and harmless of the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. How many believe you're living in a crooked and perverse nation? All right. Among whom what? Ye shine as lights in the world. Shine as lights. How do you shine? We're going to go there tonight, but I'll tell you one thing you got to do. Lord, how can I shine as lights for you in this world? Now, I'm going to tell you about lights. We're a reflector. We're not the origin of the light. We just reflect the light. But I tell you one of the ways we can do that is pay our bills. So that's, that's deep theology, isn't it? Just pay your bills. Yeah. Don't lie. <laughs> just real simple ways to be light. Anyway, I'll get off of that. That gets a little too real, amen? We want to keep this in some kind of spiritual fantasy. Don't you like to go to church and have spiritual fantasy land? You know? John 17, 18, God says we're, to be, we're sent into this world. Thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. God is sending us. We're, we're going to Lebanon. You're going to go to work tomorrow. God is sending you out tomorrow. And he wants you to have the power and the, the life of Christ in you such a way that you will be lights to the world. 
It ain't like, oh, Lord, put me down here in the holler somewhere in the corner of a cabin and I don't want to see it. It's, somebody talks, you know, you, you see these deals come across Facebook and it's got this picture of this cabin in the mountains and said, this is joy. If I can, you know, blah, 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 and no neighbors. Now, I understand there's times when you say, I just wish, maybe I better not go there. I don't know. You know what the Israelis say about the Arabs? Oh, our neighbors, our neighbors. They want to kill them. Their neighbors want to kill them. And uh, if you're not careful, we have a tendency to just want to crawl back and, oh, I just want to get away from everybody else. I don't want anybody within a half mile of me. I don't want to even see anybody's lights at night. And pe- uh, don't take me wrong, but people are moving in this area. They just want away from everybody. Want to leave me alone. I got, I got a chain link fence that's a quarter mile to the driveway, and I got nine German Shepherd dogs to keep you away. And, And signs all over, stamp out! We shoot to kill! <laughs> no trespassing! Stay away from me! I can't stand human beings! Well, let me ask you, how are you going to get the gospel of people to act like that? Yeah. Better watch your attitude. You say, well, I tried to reach out to them. They told me to stay on the other side of the gate. Okay, but at least try, amen? Anyway. Mark 16, 16, 15, we're to preach the whole world. I'll tell you, I love this. He said, and then go into all the world. And that's what I want this church to do, however we can do it. And preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. It's the foolishness of preaching men are saved. The Holy Spirit of God deals with people inside. You just preach the gospel, leave the results up to the Lord. Amen. All right. Christian responsibility is worldwide. Sin covers the whole world. Christ died for the whole world, and we should give the gospel to the whole world. And I'll be honest with you. When I surrendered to preach 40 years ago, I never dreamed that I'd get to preach to people. I mean, I get comments from people, Australia, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Pray for Australia. Australia is it, it's evidently one kind of hellhole over there. The government is so anti-Christian and the most vulgar. God-hating statements and messages I get right now are from Australia. I mean, especially on the sodomite issue, I mean they hate your guts. And they're unashamed, unabashed about it. We need to go into all the world. Now, we have people from Australia, Christian people from Australia who follow this church and they're trying to be, we need to pray for the Christians in Australia because they're, they're, they've got it tough. Their government's totally against the freedom of, of the gospel and all that. It's, it's a mess over there. On the back of the page, there are Christians conflict of the world. John 16, 33. Everybody look at this. These things have I spoken unto you that you, in me, hey, everybody look at this right here. Where's peace? Would you like to have Peace. In me, you might have peace. Watch this. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. Everything ain't going to go right. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You need these verses. You're going to go out tomorrow. Some of you are going to start up your piece of equipment and it's going to blow a gasket. And you're going to have a, a, a Brother Josiah, $3,000 bill. He's telling me the other day about something not running right and he's trying to fix it. Doesn't everything cost 40 times what it ought to? I mean, if your tire goes flat, what is it? 100 bucks? I don't know. 
what's a what's a car what's a tire cost now? Two hundred on the low end. I mean, I think I'm going to go down to my dump and start digging around for old tires. Amen. <laughs> but everything costs so much. The other day, Karen and I went through. I took her on a really hot, sweet. I mean, wonderful date. I drove her through Taco Bell. Man, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> She's going. <laughs> I could not. What did it cost us the other day? Something we went. We went through somewhere. It was eighteen dollars. Remember? It was eighteen dollars. Remember that little Mac I bought you? <laughs> you remember that little Mac I brought? And we. But I do remember talking about this. What if we had a car load of kids? What it cost us, just me and her to eat, and I thought, Lord have mercy, what if we had six, seven, eight kids in the back here, and we're trying to feed them all? You'd be throwing a $100 bill right through that window that fast. If you're working for $15 an hour, you know that's a day's work? You just spend it one window, one meal of the day. This is what the Biden administration doesn't want to talk about. They are, I'm just going to divert here and unhook my train. They're lying, 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 and the media is carrying the water lie for them. They're trying to tell you that we're not in in, in, an inflationary deal. You're in the worst inflationary deal in the history of this nation. You've never seen inflation like it is. Karen and I, maybe we're just in the older set, but we, we, we feel sorry for some of you young couples trying to feed all these kids. Put gas in your car. It's a challenge. It has to be a challenge. It's sad. Anyway, how did they get off on all that? Oh, you shall have tribulation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, let's go on. First John 4, 4. Isn't this wonderful? Year of God, little children have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, I know that gas is high. Somebody said that used vehicles are just like out the roof. Is that true? You know, and to buy a house is out of the question, right? <laughs> but I want to tell you something. You're going to make it. You, serve, you put him first. He said he'd take care of you. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Can I give you some good news tonight? You just put God first in your life and you'll be all right. Amen. And if you die, you'll still be all right. Amen. Amen. I tell you, ain't we got it made? Whether we live or whether we're dying, we're the Lord's. Great is he. Now, John 5, 4. I love this. John, John chapter 5. Whosoever, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Aren't you glad we've overcome the world through Christ? This is the victory that overcometh the world. How do you overcome the world? By faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Believe the Bible. Read the Bible. Apply the Bible. Live the Bible. And God says you overcome the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. A lot there we can go into. Number six, the world and the church. Separation from the world not only applies to the individual Christian, but also the Christian church as a whole. And we can look at 2 Corinthians 6. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. You've heard me talk about these services where they, it's dark, and they brought in the world. God says, don't do that. Flat out plain says, don't do it. <clears throat> and what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believed with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. 
Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let me just tell you something. God's uh, church is to be separate and um, not to get infected by the world. And here's the whole deal about a lot of this cheap talk about loving everybody, not being offensive to people. They're, what they're saying is we want to let the church be infected and lower its standards and let the world into the church. And God says, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. Okay. The church is to be salt and light. Look at your last thing that says the church is to be salt and light, a godly influence and to evangelize the world without being influenced by the world. Young people, this is what most of the parents I know in this church are trying to do with you. Please understand this. They're not trying to cheat you out of life. They want you to have a good time. They want you to enjoy life. I, some of my family went floating yesterday, and I watched some of the videos of it. And I was so glad they was able to go down the river and float. Go, take your kids floating. Take them places. Do things with them. If you're bored, go fishing. I don't know. Whatever you... <laughs> I said that for Dean's sake. I'm never so bored that I got to go fishing. Amen. <laughs> now I'm preaching, ain't I, Dean? But I want to say something. To you. Young people, please understand your parents are not against you enjoying life, but they don't want this evil world to infect you and to cause you to be something God does not want you to be. And so, anyway, I hope that he helps you tonight. Number 411, let's stand. And let's sing tonight number four, 11 in your, uh, your uh, <clears throat> blue hymnals.